You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. Hey everyone, Laura Hughes here. For this week's episode of Women on the Road, we wanted to share with you an early episode of our sister podcast, She Explores, that focuses on creatives on the road. This was originally aired as episode seven of She Explores, long before Women on the Road itself was even a podcast. In reflecting back on this earlier content, it was really interesting for Gail and me to think about all that's changed since this episode's original air date, and all that has, in many ways, remained the same when it comes to solo travel, the creative process, and social media. That's all you're really going to hear from me this week. Here's Gail Straub with an episode of She Explores. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. For this episode, I talk with two creatives who spend much of their time traveling solo in their vans. These creatives are Allison Turner, a photographer, and Amanda Sandlin, a graphic designer and visual artist. They are indeed two creatives on the road, but their stories are very different. Um, I think I'm most myself when I'm in nature and I'm away from people. And even though I've been to, when I went to Iceland and I was camping, it was fun, but I miss Max. So I think that the most comfortable is when I do have my camera and I'm by myself and I'm camping. I'm with Max, my dog. So I think that combination is the best for me. First up, Allison. She was one of the first women I reached out to for a Women on the Road interview on she-explores.com as I was prepping to leave in my Sprinter van for a year-long road trip. And I want to know why she answered my email. I didn't even have a website out back then. We ended up talking for a half an hour about why she loves escaping into the wilderness with her rescue dog, Max. The short answer, it's her happy place. Allison's an experienced van lifer. She started living a more mobile life in 2008, eight years ago. The first year, she lived in a teardrop trailer, then a tent for two years, and then she bought a VW Eurovan that she calls Campy. She's also an accomplished photographer, especially for having only picked up a camera seven years ago. On her portfolio site, allisonturnerphoto.com, You'll find big names like National Geographic and Slate Magazine. On the road, she takes thousands of photos out of a love for the art and to pass the time. Speaking with Allison, I learned more about the power of a photograph to unite people and reinforce memories. We also bond over some of our more introverted tendencies. I know, it's weird. I feel like I know you, although we've never spoken, so... Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> You're one of the first people that I reached out to. I actually found the email that I sent you through your portfolio site just being like, hey, I'm Gail. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah. How funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just kind of curious why you said yes to an interview with me. Oh, I have no idea. I guess because I just say yes without thinking most of the time. <laughs> And then before I can regret it, I already said yes, so I have to follow through. And I think that 
is the case in a lot of things that I've done. <laughs> but I think saying yes to things just in general for me is a good way just to uh, push myself because if I think about it too much, it's easier to say no. Mm, you know, I'm like that too. Yeah, I regret it saying no. And then I said, oh, why did I say no? I should have just done it. But then you regret saying yes when you have a backlog of emails or you have to like figure out which photos to send over or, or what have you? Well, I guess I never really regret saying yes because, I mean, even though sometimes it's a pain, not this interview, but just doing things and over-promising, sometimes it's overwhelming. But then once you do it, you're relieved that you said yes for the most part. I don't think I've ever regretted saying yes. In our conversations, our our online conversations, I guess, you've alluded to being shy. Oh, I'm completely shy. <laughs> Does photography help you break that barrier in some way? It has. Actually, f putting the camera in front of my face and approaching someone is a lot easier because you have that barrier. So you feel somewhat protected between you and that person and it puts you in a different mindset. So when I think about, well, I'm doing it because I need to take the picture, then it's different than, oh, I'm walking up to this person like a creeper because I don't know them and I want to say hello. It's it's almost a point of, um, you know, when you have the camera, you can pretend to be somebody else. And a lot of times that's the case because when I have the camera, I pretend I'm confident and I'm personable and I can approach anybody. But then after I talk to them and take the picture, I'm exhausted <laughs> because I have to put out so much energy just to, you know, just to talk to someone. It's it's easier for me to be alone by myself in the middle of nowhere. Would you say that's when you feel the most like yourself? Yes. When when you're alone or with the camera or or both or neither? <laughs> Um, I think I'm most myself when I'm in nature and I'm away from people. And even though I've been to, when I went to Iceland and I was camping, it was fun, but I miss Mac. So I think that the most comfortable is when I do have my camera and I'm by myself and I'm camping. I'm with Max, my dog. So I think that combination is the best for me. Would you think that people will be surprised based on your travels and the way they look online, do you think they would be surprised meeting you or do you think it would line up with what their expectations would be? Oh, I don't know what people expect of me, but, um, I don't, I think I try to be as authentic as possible when I post pictures. I mean, sometimes I think, well, that's not me, but it is because I took the picture. It wasn't like anybody was forcing me to take it. I don't know how to explain. Let's see. I think the mo for the most part, the people that I know, um, and I say I'm shy, they say, no, you're not, and it, but they don't really know, like, inside, I'm tormented. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know, I'd rather be by myself, hanging out, thinking about things and daydreaming than to be in a crowd. And I think the number one thing I'm afraid of is public speaking, so this is much easier because I know it's just us, even though... It's going to go to other people at some point, but I don't have to be there when they're listening. <laughs> I'm exactly the same way. I, I love people. I love listening to people and learning about people. But I do, I, I do personally feel that inner conflict or turmoil, when I'm, especially when I'm meeting people for the first time. And sometimes it's not even when it's happening. It's right before I'm th overthinking it. And then 
when it happens, I feel not relieved. I don't know. There is a lot of energy that comes out. And I've done the, I don't know if you've ever been like at a party or a get together and done the Irish exit or everyone has a different name for it, but where you just kind of leave because you're like, this is the stimulus is too much. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. I walk in, I'm like, oh, I'm completely overwhelmed, and I leave. I mean, I've left out of my own art show because I can't stand all just the amount of people, and then I'd have to take a breather and go outside and then come back, and yeah. It's not it's not my strong suit, but I fake it so I can do it, but uh, I'd rather be, you know, alone somewhere. Do you think the more that you do it, the more you get comfortable, like exposure therapy? I think so. And it's funny because sometimes after I finish a trip and I do something like that, like I go to an art show and I see people like in Los Angeles, like the photographers that I'm friends with. And then I go to somebody's opening to support them. And then everybody comes up to me, oh my God, you're in town or this and that. And, um, And then I just feel overwhelmed with the amount of people and the energy that it creates when everybody's around. And I guess some people feed off of that. And I was, I just want to run away, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that's just uh, fear. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's also taking, maybe it's taking time to recharge too. Like a little battery pack. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's easier for me just to hang out. I, I guess I keep saying this over and over, but it's, um, you know, to be in nature and by myself. And I could be online and post pictures. That's fine. But just the one-on-one conversations with people, sometimes it takes energy, you know. And then just like what you said, I overthink things sometimes and I make them out to be something that they're not a lot bigger, you know. And then, like you said, I just feel relieved after it's over. Do you talk to Max a lot when you're out there together? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like a crazy person. <laughs> I, I warn him. A lot of times I just tell him what's coming up. Like if we're going to drive over a cattle grate, I tell him, that, good boy, you know, before it happens. So he's warned. Otherwise, he gets really scared when it happens and he hides in the corner of the van and shakes. So stuff like that. And then he doesn't like going off road. So I have to warn him that's happening. And then I tell him like if, if cities are coming up with funny names, I, I tell him that we're headed towards that city and then say the name over and over. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh, I feel like his his personality comes out in your photographs or at least the way you see him comes out. Yeah, he's a character. He keeps me entertained. Um you know, he's a, he's a sweet, sensitive boy, and he loves hanging out on the beach and running around, but I always have to keep him on a leash because, like me, he'll just wander around, and, and I'll turn away for one second, and he'll be gone. Do you, do you have a favorite photo of the two of you guys? Yeah, probably just the one of us in front of Campy, and he's in the cat bed that I bought him, and I'm sitting on a, a little chair. That was a couple of years ago. We were in um, Minnesota, and... And the bugs were crazy, but um, I don't know why. Some, I, I take pictures to alleviate boredom sometimes, and that was one of them. Does time go by fast when you're taking photos? Yes. And it gives me something to do, and I look forward to it. And I'm always, and I love looking back at the pictures too. 
to remember what I did because, you know, as you get old, well, you don't know yet, but when you get older, <laughs> it's fun to just look back at the pictures. And partly I do it because of that, because it's it's nice to remember where you've been. So I I take lots of photos and, and I try to write more, but I don't always have the time to write. But that's a goal of mine to write more. I feel like with photos, I feel like instantly nostalgic. I don't feel instantly nostalgic with writing. Like it takes me longer to want to go back and read something. Growing up, I always would try to have a journal. Like I always, I probably have like five or six journals from growing up that are like just, I started like I wrote a page and then the rest of it's blank <laughs> or when I was like in high school I would write and then I would erase things because I was like I don't want you know I don't even want to acknowledge that I had those emotions or something like so really stupid I start off with I don't know what I'm gonna say I'm sitting here daydreaming I have no idea okay so I just stop and then I'll put my pen down and I'll sit there and I'll think and think and think but my hand won't catch up to my thoughts so then I'd write nothing but do you think it helps you remember the moment more even though you didn't write anything because you're you're in thought about it. I think so. I think both the photographs and the journal together really help. But even just with the picture, I can remember. Oh yeah, I remember that day was a tough one, or oh it rained all day, or this was that was so much fun. And then you never know because sometimes you have a different memory of something, and then you look back in the journal and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that happened, or this was going on. Do you have a preference between travel photography or, or portraits, ones that you like doing more than others? Well, lately I've been doing a lot of just photography of where I go and me or me and Max together. And because for me, I think that's easy. Now, I love portraits. I get the most satisfaction out of taking portraits and and I feel it more accomplished, but then again, it takes more risk and it's harder for me just because of my personality, I'm so shy. So I think in that respect, there, it's more rewarding for portraits, for sure. The high risk, high reward. Yeah. It applies to so many things in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first time I took a portrait was of um, this camp host in Klamath and I showed up and I wanted some coffee and he he made some muffins and he said do you want a muffin I said no thanks and then I left and this guy was such a character that I kept thinking to myself I need to go back and get a muffin (laughs) so I went back and I said you know I changed my mind I would like a muffin so he came out and I had the muffin and then I asked him if I could take his portrait and so we started chatting he said sure so I started taking his portrait and I was nervous and we just chit-chatted and um and when I left I was so excited when I looked back at the at the pictures and what what he looked like that I think that was the first portrait ever that I took that really got me hooked on taking pictures like I wanted to get that feeling it was almost like a drug that oh yes that was felt great I want it more but it's hard to get it to get that same feeling just because a lot of times you can take pictures well for me I'm really critical of my images so if it's not exactly what I wanted or how it turned out then it'll just be okay but I want to go back and try again and sometimes I see characters that I can't get out of my head so I have to approach them. Is there like a shift that happens can you see it in like if you took 15 photos of someone 
can you tell if someone's opened up or like is there something that happens to a face in that in that time period or and can you tell if you didn't get there if it's what you wanted yeah for me there's this it's kind of a stage when you take someone's picture and what I try to get is the in-between moments between of when they're posing and when they're exhausted and right in between there's a moment where they're finally relaxed so the first few pictures I take are just for noise for them to start getting used to it because they're giving you what they want you to see. And then after a while they'll relax and then I'll get, I'll have this instant, this moment that I'll have the pictures that I want. And that happened with those, the twin boys by an Airstream. It's one of my favorite pictures and it was just an instant where they stopped because they were all over the place and screaming and just running around like kids do. And, and I wanted them, I wanted a particular shot and their parents yelled at them and they stopped for one second and I was able to get the picture and then they kept running around. But um, so yeah, people go through just like anything, they get tired and then after a while, you know, you won't get anything out of them just because they're, they're done. It would be cool to see a time lapse of that, like, and have it kind of freeze at the image and then move on like this arc. Well, you can see like in the contact sheets too, it's like they're running around and then all of a sudden they stop and then they keep running around. And then peop- same thing with people when I do, um, when I do a lot of lifestyle shots with Airstream at Illumapalooza, people have a, a window of, I guess I would say tolerance of getting their picture taken. Are you interested in people? Are you curious about people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why I love listening to your podcast too, is learning about all these other women doing what they do and how they feel about doing it. I just think it's so inspirational. And even when I meet people on the road and listening to their stories, I really enjoy it just because, you know, you just hear where people come from. And I think it's because, well, my grandparents and my father were the best storytellers. And I think that's something that's lacking today is, is telling stories because nowadays kids just have these emotions that they can send each other and they don't even have to talk anymore. (laughs) People don't really have time for that. Or they think they don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. They don't, they say they don't have time or they don't make time. That's it. I think if people always said, oh, I wish I can do that. If only I can write a book on if only is the people telling me what they can't, why they can't do things. Yeah, you do, you do make time for the things that you really... That you want to do. Yeah. The end of the conversation brought us back to the beginning. I remember finding your photos, and I think I found them on Tumblr first, and I think the one that really got to me was the one that was just a reflection of max in a puddle and it was just the reflection side and i had like taken some iphone shots that of reflections when i used to live in near boston and i would just walk around and i love how the painterly effect of that and how it looks like there's like a galaxy behind it and that was the one that i was like oh this this drew me in that was the photo that drew me in and then when i kind of dove deeper and looked into what you were doing and and your lifestyle and your landscapes and your other photographs and then when i reached out i was like it was one of those things where you don't expect to hear back from someone you just do it cuz you're like i can't not do this um so i was so it was just i was so great when you actually wrote back to me and i told my boyfriend about it and those little things can make a really big difference so sometimes it's nice to know that I guess. 
That's nice of you to say, and I'm glad you feel that way. And it's funny because when I get little emails from people saying, oh, thank you for taking pictures. It's really inspired me. It's like, no, thank you for saying that because I have so many doubts all the time. And I'm like, oh, I hate photos, you know, all the time. So it puts you, makes you realize that, okay, maybe I am doing the right thing or I'm on the right track. The lesson here, reach out to those who inspire you. Even if they don't have the bandwidth to answer, I guarantee you that they saw it and it changed their day. And if they do answer it, it could be the start of something. Follow Allison and her travels on her Instagram at Allison Travels. We'll list it in the show notes. I don't know. I kind of grew up thinking like, oh, place, like place is everything. Where I live is everything. I think that's because I grew up kind of traveling and I never had roots or solid family life or anything like that. But now I'm really seeing that place is not everything and what's everything is people. Amanda Sandlin is a young creative who's not quite as familiar with van life as Allison. She's been on the road since May. She built out a minivan with wood paneling and a platform for a bed. She's currently traveling the United States after spending six months abroad in New Zealand. She's still figuring out life on the road as an artist and as a business person, and she's very open about some of her struggles. As someone who's lived on the road myself, I really appreciate her honesty. Much of our conversation takes place around space, the mental space and physical space it takes to create in a van and otherwise. We talked over Skype. Amanda's in her van in Portland, Oregon. For some of the conversation, there was an annoying crow in the background. Just ignore it. The whole direction of this conversation is being a creative on the road. And I know you won't always be a creative on the road, but in some capacity you will, because I'm sure travel is never going to leave your life. So I was wondering, like, at what age you began to identify as an artist? Oh, wow. As an artist, I would say it hasn't been until recently, uh, just probably in the past two years. <laughs> Looking back, I've always done creative stuff. Like, I mean, I was writing poetry when I was eight and drawing and doing music and stuff like that, but I never considered it art or considered myself an artist even when I was writing in college and doing creative writing and all of that I didn't consider it art do you feel like you had a little mental block between those two things or is it just the, what was the reason for the distinction I think there were a few one of them is growing up when I would think of art I thought of visual art so painting and drawing and all of that and I did a little bit of painting but I had never you know, I was never like an artsy kid in school. I never like did art class or um, hung around with that group of people. So that's where I feel like the mental block started to occur. So when I was younger, it wasn't so much that I wanted to be an artist and felt like I wasn't one. I just wasn't even thinking about it, like about labeling myself as one, you know what I mean? And then in high school, when I saw that group and I didn't fit in with them, like I didn't fit in with any group really, that's where the mental block and the mental space started being created where I had to like get over that hurdle in the past couple of years. 
And was that in in starting to pursue more traditional artistic forms in the past couple of years? Or was it finding your voice? Yeah, it was playing around with visual art. And that's when I kind of realized that, oh, it's all art. Yeah, I started this thing the start of 2015, I think. And it was called The Year of Making. So I was a graphic designer for a company and that I learned all of my graphic design skills on the job. Most of my style was in the style of the company I was working for. Like I couldn't find my own, I wasn't finding my own voice. And I realized, oh, like anything I make is going to be in the style of this, of this brand. So I started the year of making where I made one thing every day, more or less, you know, some days where I skipped, um, but for a full year and it was just pure creativity and expression and finding my voice. So that's when I started to realize that that I'm an artist. With creating every day for a year, did you feel like you had a lot of space to create? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. Do you mean like time-wise or? I guess I, I kind of mean it all around. Like it time-wise, it sounds like, okay, if you are making the time, then you do have that space. Like you're, because you're making it a deliberate it's a deliberate act, but then, yeah, there are only so many hours in the day to to create something. So I guess it could go both ways. I mean, I like to think that I was deliberate about it, but there were many days where it was like 1130 at night and I hadn't made anything that day. So I quickly just like drew a mountain or something on a piece of paper. <laughs> I know you said when when you left New Zealand, you said you th- didn't you throw out a lot of your your fine art? that you created? Oh yeah, so probably like five months before I left New Zealand. So I can't think, that was maybe like nine months ago or something, I, I started painting, which I'd always wanted to do. And I was doing these like large scale abstract paintings. So I was just like making a ton of them and I had so many rolls. I was doing them on that like brown craft paper And I had so many rolls and I was just like, what am I going to do with all these? I can't fit them in my bag and I don't want to ship them because it's so expensive from New Zealand. So I just decided to throw them all out. (laughs) How did that feel? It, It was hard because I hadn't found much traction with the paintings as far as like them being received well by people. Like I put a few up for sale on my site and everything and they never sold and Not that that's like really a measure of success, but I mean, it's always been my dream. Like I'm a business person as much as I am an artist, I think. So I was kind of just like realizing that I need to let that go, that dream go to just create more space to, um, I needed to let them go to make more space to like move into that next part of my creativity. So it was like a release and then it was also kind of sad. But the day after I threw them all in the trash, I sold one of them. (laughs) And like, to me, that was totally a sign from the universe. Like, no, you know, like you don't have to let go of this dream. And then I went, of course, like scrambling through the trash at like six in the morning, like, oh my God, oh my God. But uh, yeah, I found it. So I was able to sell it. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you were like, in a lot of ways you were creating space you know, mentally and physically because you were about to move into a van and travel uh, in the U.S. So 
Can you tell me a little bit about like your thought process around why you decided to live in a van? Uh, honestly, there wasn't much. Uh, it was more of, I have no idea what to do next. I work for myself and I can work anywhere and I don't want to settle down. So I also don't want to, this rent is so expensive pretty much everywhere. So it was more of for that reason. And just, of course, seeing van life, hashtag van life on Instagram made it seem so appealing. (laughs) Um, So I just did it. (laughs) How so far have you been able or not been able to maintain a creative practice on the road? Mm, It's been really, really hard, which has been so surprising to me. I just... That was another thing going into it. I was just like, oh, I can have this little traveling art studio and like stop and every day in forests and in deserts and just pain and da-da-da. And it's just not like that at all. It's, um, I feel really constricted. And it's something I'm working on. Um, but I don't know, like when you're in a van, you have such limited space. And especially in my van, you can't stand up in it. So I'm just constantly kneeling or sitting. And then... So I just bought this basket to keep all of my art supplies in. So now it's at least a little bit easier to get them all out at once. But, you know, like in order to do painting or anything larger than just drawing on a little pad of paper, I have to do it in front of people more or less, Um, you know, unless I'm out in the middle of the wilderness. But that's like a whole other topic. But yeah, like if I'm painting in a park, my first week in the van, I was painting it like on this picnic table in a park and it was really fun and I was like really getting into it. But there's so many people that would come over and ask what I was painting and like give their opinion on it. And I was just like, this is not going to (laughs) work. So yeah, I found it really hard, at least with painting. That's why I've kind of moved more to digital because I'm in like Starbucks so often it's easy to work on some graphic design or something like that but I miss like that messy lush creative practice for sure yeah and the 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 playfulness of that too because you seem to have a lot of fun when you get into that space that headspace yeah like when I'm in that space it gets crazy (laughs) and I have to be careful in the van because I don't know it's I don't want to get paint everywhere (laughs) online you can go and you can if you find an artist it's pretty easy to find a photo of their workspace like what where they create and you know why they set it up that way and you know usually it's it's not um you know a minivan you know usually it's bigger but yeah I was curious as to whether the van aspect and being closer to the outdoors, if that has affected your work in any way besides physical versus digital? I mean, I, I kind of feel like I'm in this phase with the van where it's just all like I'm just consuming and processing and maybe I'm not ready to produce yet. Um, like maybe that's something that will happen in winter when I'm not in the van or when I can like rent a studio, but Like, I mean, I get so much inspiration from every time I hit the road. It's just like a shot of inspiration and adrenaline. And it's like wonderful. Um, And just being, yeah, being in nature. um, I mean, that's always inspiring. So in that way, 
yes, um, it's just different than how I expected. Yeah, like it's more of just taking it all in and not being able to really produce yet. Sometimes I feel like people don't talk about that enough. Not everybody can make work that they're really proud of every day. I know I sometimes will go a few months and, and I won't do the thing that I really love. And it's because I need to take that space. So I think sometimes it's, I don't know, I have to just tell myself that it's okay. And I think it helped that I grew up in where my mom is an artist and my sister's a writer and they're always taking space and feeling bad about it. I don't know, looking at that from the outside, I, I just want to tell them that it's okay. You know, it's it's okay to digest things. It's okay to take a, a take a step back from what really makes you happy because you'll you'll feel better about the work when you return to it because it's going to be the right time. I read your blog post from, I think it was this week, the one about feeling a need to, to stay still, like both for your mental health and, and your creative work. Like one of the things that really kind of crystallized in my brain a little bit, you said that I'm not a brand, I'm a human. Do you think you could speak a little bit more to that feeling and, and how it arose? I think we're in this really interesting time where, you know, there are so many personal brands and people who are building businesses off of themselves. And I think that's so different from the typical company <laughs> and you have to treat it differently. Like the, the first person that comes to mind is um, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's just like this business dude and super hustle, hustle, hustle constantly. And like, you gotta be working all the time. Like, who do you think you are? If you can just like enjoy and like take it easy in your first five years in business. Like you need to be constantly working and maybe for some people that works, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think I go, I like battle with myself a lot over, over that. Am I being legitimate? Am I treating my business legitimately? If I take time to rest and if I, if I like don't follow through on some promises that I've made, like, does that make me not a business, a good business person? Or can you, you know, take care of yourself as a person and still run like a really good business? And of course, I believe that. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I read that I was thinking more about the way people create personal brands on social media. And I was wondering whether you, you would struggle with that at all, like where there's this like instant reaction to whatever you create. And it's also based around who you've presented yourself as a person. And I think you do a really good job of being honest and open in your online presence. But I didn't know if you were struggling with that at all. Oh, um, no, not not really. That's, that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's one area that I don't know. I just it just like comes pretty easy to me. And I know where that when like I'm crossing the line of like TMI, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I don't know it's that's just like a pure intuition thing and that's I've like always been able to hear my intuition when it comes to like sharing and being honest yeah but I mean it has crossed my mind you know I, it has absolutely crossed my mind if I stop doing van life all these people are they going to be disappointed are they going to stop like following my work and are they going to think I'm just boring <laughs> like of course that has crossed my mind 
Yeah. But that's a, I mean, you've only been doing van life for a few, like a, a couple of months, right? I mean, you left early June or no, you left in May. So a few months. That's very short term. The people who really, who really care about the core of like what's important to you are going to stick around. And those are the people that you want sticking around. And the adventurous spirit never goes away either. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, even if I'm not living in a van full time, I don't think I'll ever stop, you know, traveling. So, and yeah, just like approaching every day as, as an adventure, like you don't need to buy a van and travel. That's like probably one of the biggest things I've realized living in the van is like, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And you can find adventure in every day. Absolutely. That brings me to another question I have for you. What do you think are some of the aspects of van life that people don't talk about enough? Um, I mean, I think it's the same for everything on the internet is just the emotional. Like, I'm really interested in the emotional side of situations. And yeah, like the toll it can take on you. And I mean, every it's different for everyone. So but for me, it's been, you know, being alone and how hard that can be sometimes. And yeah, just like the less, the less beautiful side of it. I don't know. I was just going to say, um, I can kind of tell what people don't talk about sometimes because I'll get emails from people like asking, why aren't, aren't you talking about these, these things in your interviews or why aren't these women sharing these sides of their lives um and you you approached one item that people don't talk about and that's money you did a little analysis on like whether it was taking away constants in your life um whether it was more expensive or less expensive to live in a van i think everyone would have a different perspective on that like everyone has different spending habits people have different spending habits when they travel versus when they're staying still so I appreciate that you shared your perspective on that. Hmm. Thanks. But I do, I do get like, I've gotten a few emails from people being like, tell me how these women make it work for them. Like, what is that magic formula to have the money to be able to live that lifestyle? And, um, I don't think there is, you know, it's like anything in life. There isn't a magic formula, you know? No. No, there isn't. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I believe that almost anyone could do it, maybe in a different way. Like, if, you know, I I am pretty lucky because I can work remotely, so I can, like, work from coffee shops or whatever. Um, but, you know, you could always get, like, seasonal jobs and travel or um, save up money. Like, I don't know. I think it's just... I can do this because I've been working on my business for like a few years. So it's not just like something I decided to do one day, like everything takes planning. And I think if you just start planning now, like almost anyone could do it. Yeah. And then you can figure out if it's the right, the right move for you and your, your working life or not working life or whatever. Uh, Well, we don't have a whole lot of time left. But I was wondering if if you'd like to share a high point on the road in the last few months, like anything that comes to mind that was just like, this is why I'm doing this. It's so funny because all of the favorite moments have been with people. 
I mean, I think that's how it always is. I don't know. I kind of grew up thinking like, oh, place, like place is everything. Where I live is everything. I think that's because I grew up kind of traveling and I never had roots or solid family life or anything like that. But now I'm really seeing that place is not everything and what's everything is people. It's also been amazing because I've been able to meet these people that I've been friends with online for years. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's not weird at all. It's just like we're old friends and we get to hang out and it's been the best. Just the generosity of people has truly impacted me. Just like people welcoming me into their homes and feeding me and giving me coffee and yeah, like, I mean, last night I came over here to Karen's house and, well, I texted her. This was in the middle of my wine and cookies moment <laughs> where I was just like, oh, my God, I'm sitting at a library parking lot, like where I was supposed to work, <laughs> eating a whole pack of cookies and drinking wine. And she's like, come on over, we're having spaghetti dinner, like her and all of her roommates, like four dudes. And <laughs> and it was really like walking onto set of the set of New Girl. <laughs> And it was so great, and just they just welcomed me in, like, gave me wine, and we just talked. And so that, I think, has definitely been the highlight, just meeting these people. And also for me, like, I've always been pretty shy and um, might have a little difficulties, like, with awkwardness or something. But I've just been meeting all these people and just seeing that everyone is just, like, a human being. And, like, it's great. Just be yourself been in some of the most beautiful places and I've had really great moments in in those places but I've also felt really alone and lonely and it's been hard but I think looking back like you know it's hard in the moment but I'm learning so much through all of those times and like I know it's going to take a while for me to even process what it all means. Follow along with Amanda on her Instagram, at wildwoman. Thanks so much to Allison Turner and Amanda Sandlin for their permission to rebroadcast this episode and for their presence in our communities. You can find their work online through the links in our show notes. Additionally, thank you to Gail Straub for her work in remastering this episode to prepare it for launch. Some stories should be told more than once. To tune into She Explores for weekly episodes featuring women inspired by time spent outside, visit www.she-explores.com slash podcast, or find the She Explores podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast apps out there. Music is by Jason Shaw and Josh Woodward. This rebroadcast of She Explores was produced by myself and Gail Straub. 